Support for this podcast comes from Stella Artois. This summer, enjoy the life Artois. You can experience it anywhere, from your patio to the tidal basin. All it takes is being present, being there, with the people you love and a cold Stella Artois in hand. Wherever you are, you're never too far from the life Artois. Stella Artois. Please enjoy responsibly. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are in your neighborhood, ready to help personalize your insurance. And you can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. Visit statefarm.com today to get a great rate without sacrificing great service. That's statefarm.com. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, my name is Joey Galvez, host of The House of Indie, an independent creator interview podcast. New regular episodes drop every Thursday. We may even have some cool smaller shows in between, so stay tuned. We also have a live broadcast every Monday with loggerhead creator Brian Silverbacks on Facebook and possibly Twitter. Type in The House of Indie on Facebook and at House of Indie Pod on Twitter. Make sure to help out the show by listening and subscribing wherever you find your favorite podcast. This Age of Radio podcast is brought to you by The Bazaar. The Bazaar is the Age of Radio affiliate store, and right now, The Bazaar has a special offer on The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand service with thousands of in-depth videos taught by the world's greatest professors. You'll always find something fascinating to learn about. With categories ranging from history to travel and everything in between, there's something for everyone. If you go to ageofradio.org forward slash darkwindows, there's an offer to get The Great Courses Plus free for 14 days. Stay ahead in life. Start your access today with 11,000 plus video and audio lectures on a range of topics. I'm Kevin H. I'm Kevin C. And I'm a Seth. And this is the Dark, Dark Windows, Windows Podcast. So just a disclaimer, we are going to talk about some things that people might not be super comfortable with. We're going to use some language, a language that people are not going to be super comfortable with. That's adult language. So, Expletives. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Or not. That's cool, too. We want to start out by saying a special thank you to our sponsor, Studio Headphones. Studio offers some of the best quality sound and best-built headphones on the market without the outrageous prices that other brands offer. They offer a variety of different styles, including over-the-ear, wired earbuds, and completely wireless Bluetooth buds. The two newest models are the Klar, which are over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones that offer 30 hours of playtime. Hold on. 30 hours continuous playtime without being recharged. And the Tolve, which are totally wireless Bluetooth earbuds, that offer seven hours of playtime and a case that holds four additional charges for the buds. 
So check out studio.com where you will find some of the best quality headphones and earbuds on the market. And if you enter Dark Windows 15 at checkout, they will take 15% off your entire order. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> Hi. What's going on, Internet? How are you guys doing? Yeah, we are here again. Yeah, the, uh, here. It's not really a round table. It's like a... It's an oval oval table. Yeah. Yeah, of, oval. Of three goofy yeah. bastards. Yeah. I'm not goofy. I'm beautiful. The knights of the... No, we're not knights. No, older puppets. Well, older we record no. at night, so we could be the knight of the cryptid. And I think technically oh. to be a knight, you have to be a Christian, right? Technically, I, I, I am I, one. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Fuck it. Anyway, this week, we are going to talk about <clears throat> Seth. What's up? And his hobby holders. Well, <laughs> since this... No, that actually works out. Since we're doing an episode about Last Stands, and most people in the miniature painting world have to deal with the the piss poor tools that a lot of us paint with, and you're on your last stand with the you make certain, do with what you got. Yeah, with a certain company. <laughs> I'm not going to name names because they're bigger than all of us combined in this world. You have their little painting tool, you know, like like this thing sucks. Why do I always have to use this? Or you were like me, where you used to use the old fashioned. You know, a spray paint can top or a bottle top or whatever. The Citadel Nutsack. Well, I wasn't going to say that because they listen to everything and they know everything. Oh, no, it's 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 a nice tool. It's just it feels like a plastic ball sack. Yeah, and it, it's not ergonomic. No. Now, with that being said, Easter's right around the corner. And if you're thinking about trying to figure out what to get somebody that is in the miniature painting world, and you're like, I got to fill these Easter eggs, or you're not into Easter and you just want to give them something cool because they like to paint miniatures, head on over to GameEnvy.net. GameEnvy.net is the home of the hobby holder. Like we've alluded to before in previous episodes and every other time, the hobby holder is a two-in-one base and handle combination tool. The base itself is a threaded base that takes every kind of standard soda bottle cap there is. You have a soda bottle cap, it takes it. Which is now, wicked handy. Yeah, dude, it's awesome because if you don't have them, Game Envy sells them. Now, you put your miniature on there. I'm not going to go through the whole ramble. Because then you can go on the site and you can figure all that out yourself. However, you go there, you pick out that, and it comes in a wide variety of different colors that you like. You pick out, like, maybe a brush beam to hold your paintbrushes so they don't roll away. Or a brush bastion so then that way when they're clean they can dry. It does not matter. Whatever you want, you pick it out, you put it in your cart, put in the promo code BROADSONE at checkout, and you can save yourself 10% off the entire order. And there you go. You hook somebody up that you love or yourself that you love, hopefully. Everybody should love themselves at least once a day. <laughs> and there you go. Uh, Even if you don't like somebody, if they paint minis, get them a fucking hobby holder. Right? It's a great one, one-time investment. With the nutsack thing, you have to buy one for each miniature or, you know, because of the spring thing will destroy your yeah. miniature, destroy the, the base. This... The bottle cap takes all the stress, all the tension, everything. You never have to touch your miniature until you're done. I bought a hobby holder for someone who seems like a super cool guy that I've never met before. Yeah, and I bought one for you. Yeah, when I suck, so. Yeah, no, I should take yours because <laughs> you're not using it. We haven't met him yet. No, not yet. Eventually, that's, that's, maybe. I actually have four complete hobby holder setups now. I'm kind of scared to meet him because I don't think he could actually stand up in this room. No, we got a pretty short not. ceiling. Yeah. yeah, I can barely stand in this. Yeah. So I'm six one, And he's, he, yeah. So on this week's episode of the Dark Windows Podcast, we're going to cover... Some last stands. Yep. And we have a variety of uh, uh, decades. Yeah, time frames. Time frames. Yep. Yeah, we have a variety of different uh, last stands ranging from early 1400s to early World War II. World War II. Right? Yeah. yeah, there we go. And in an effort to be more professional, 
we are going to go in chronological <laughs> order. Yeah! <laughs> Instead of reverse order or just whatever fucking order we or want. I think go. the reason why you guys want me to go first is because I actually brought paper. <gasps> yeah. I have my notes on paper because I was like, I'm not fucking I mean, a laptop. The way we usually look at professional and shit. The way we usually choose where we, uh, where we draw dicks and whoever has the best looking, you know, has the most accurate looking penis on paper goes first. I suck at that because I can't draw anything, especially fingers or dicks. Eh. Can't, you can't draw hands. I've never been good at that. Of course, stick figures don't have hands anyway. So you I'm draw good. your fucking hand. No, like the detail. Like no, when you're dr- like trying to draw something, I always fuck the hands up. Anyway, I don't ever draw hands. So. so my voice just cracked right there. It did. <laughs> but anyway, so Seth. Yo, what's up? What's Ready uh, for me now? What's yeah. your last stand, buddy? My last stand is this podcast because I can't stand <laughs> this shit anymore. Aw. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to fucking order that money. <laughs> yeah. All right. So speaking about last stands, I decided to go with one that was kind of difficult to find information on. But it randomly just popped up, and I absolutely was like, wow, this is kind of interesting. Mainly because there's a lot of... There's some discrepancies with the numbers, but it, it, it actually has some validity because it was an important battle for this time. So my last stand is one that was of the 1400s, and that is the Battle of Vitkoff Hill. The Battle of Vitkoff Hill was located on the outer edge of what is now Prague. The key, This was a key war in the Hussite Wars. The battle was between the forces of Sigismund of the Holy Roman Empire and the Hussite forces under command of Jan Zizek. The battle occurred, strangely, in a vineyard that was established by Sigismund's father, Charles IV. The siege began on June 12, 1420. Now, the crusading forces, most opinions of chroniclers, were consisting of anywhere from 100,000 to 200,000 soldiers. That's a lot of dudes. That is a lot of men for one battle. However, according to uh, modern historian Victor Verney, he believed that there was probably only about 80,000. Yeah, only. You yeah, know. <laughs> yeah because <laughs> of all those bodies, it's hard to count. Not a lot of people counted. And a lot of times they inflated the numbers. Mm-hmm. Either the winners inflated the numbers because it's like it made them look better, or the losers inflated the numbers because it made them look even stronger than they were. History is written by the victors. So or th- pretty much. They deflated them just to go, well, listen, we didn't really bring all that many. Yeah. I mean, so this modern historian was like, nah, this is all I can find evidence of and what I can feel that is there. Now, one of the most important points of this battle were the fortifications. Vidkoff Hill was located on what is known as the secure roads. These roads were supply lines that were made from timber with stone and clay walls with moats. On the southern vineyard side of the hill, there was a standing tower, and on the northern part was secured by a huge steep cliff. So these would have been roads that were being patrolled fairly regularly by by uh, troops, I would guess. Yeah, and if no one was there, there was high walls that were uh, defending them, so you would have to try to make your way around the walls to be on there. And also those walls had moats on the outside. So you would have to go through the moat, go over the wall to get on the main secure road. And And then you've got the natural barrier of that cliff. Yeah, you're basically, it's like a funnel, like, you know, leading cattle to the slaughter. Yeah, the image that I saw was like literally this house, like this uh, building, this castle essentially was house on the hill. Only one way in, one way out, and the other way that you can get in, they made sure to secure it as hot, as best as they could. That's so, that's a very defensible position. That's, so another one like that is was uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, fuck, um, I'm trying to think of his name. Vlad Tepish, his castle up yes. in uh, yeah, 
Romania. In Romania or whatever the hell it was, it was basically like you could only get in one way because the other way was basically a sheer cliff yeah. where mm-hmm. you had to well, scale it. And a lot of times castles and buildings were built that way because it made life a lot easier to only have to defend one three side. points yeah. or one point. And yeah. it, it's funny that you brought him up because when you started talking about Sigismund, I automatically went there. He's going to show up again when we do the Vlad episode because his yeah. son, he was his great whole movie. his whole family was pushing yeah. out everywhere and trying to eliminate any you know. Well, he, he's like the great great forces. grandchild of Charlemagne. Yeah, now, fucking everybody that that has ever ruled a country in Europe in the last like thousand years has been well a since fucking his fa- ancestor his, of Charlemagne. Well, his father was Charles the Fourth. Yeah, which was what Charles uh, Charlemagne was Charles the, the first. Third. Uh, was he the first? Or yeah, he, okay. he was the first. Anyway. Yeah. On July 13th, 1420, the Crusaders' cavalry decided to uh, cross the river Vatlava and began their attack. Their whole point of this attack was to uh, starve the Hussite city into submission and subsequently uh, disintegrating that standing army. Mm. Now, it is said that these fortifications were only defended by about 26 men and three women. Against how many again? Eighty thousand, we're thinking. Modern estimation about eighty thousand men. Motherfucker. These are knights and well, these other crusaders people are, and these people defending it are essentially what serfs. Uh, it's like farmers and shit. Warriors, some warriors, some maidens, and like handmaidens and stuff. But you like don't that. really need a lot when you're when you have a position. When like you that. have that, you know that yeah, that, yeah position. One point is literally on the edge of a cliff. Another one is a vineyard that is wide open. They have. Another side, which is completely just all, like, impenetrable road that they've been building up these walls right. to make sure that everything's safe. Which, yeah. I mean, if, if I'm thinking about it tactically, fuck the vineyard. We've got all these people. We're going to defend our house. Yeah. So this this would have been kind of like um, going into, like, the Saxon tales. This would have been, like, the feared. This would have been, like, the citizen army kind of defending Yeah, essentially it. this okay. is, like, Northumbria's uh, castle, like, Uhtred's... The, like yeah. his family castle yeah, yeah, yeah. was up there. Like you can't get into it only this one way. Right. If you oh. go down the road, you're automatically all the things are all their pretty much armaments are pointing at that road of like you come in this way, you're fucked. Yeah. You yeah. go through the vineyard. Well, guess what? I'm gonna shoot fucking arrows at you. Yeah. Yeah. Like like, I, like, like I said, fuck the vineyard. Let them come. Yeah. And you know they get here and they're I mean, not gonna like the end result. Yeah. And so with that being said, again. Some discrepancies on these numbers. It is, it's in the opinion of some other modern historians that there's actually probably about 60 highly capable soldiers there. So it's all like you were saying before, the history of the battle was mm-hmm. written by the victors. So the next day, the Hussite relief troops uh, decided to do a surprise attack on the Crusading Knights through the vineyards on the southern side of the hill. It is actually believed that Zika's Forces were only armed with flails and guns, completely dismembering and destroying the uh, the crusading army, set, spreading wide panic among the crusading forces, and they either had to go down the cliff in order to get to safety or towards the river. Many of the knights that went towards the river ended up drowning yeah, due to the weight he- of their weaponry and armor and everything yeah. like that. And I'm guessing down the cliff wasn't a fucking spectacular option. Either. No, man, just take a tumble, just look down and you start tumbling. And that armor is not going to protect you from all that. <laughs> oh my so God. even so if like... it's crusader armor, which could be just chain mail with a little bit of uh plate. It would have sounded like a dump truck full of pots and pans going down the fucking rocks. Well, yeah, because they have like knives and shields and swords and axes. Right. And all of a sudden they're getting mauled by these, you know, Hussite warriors that have guns and flails and swords right. and shields 
they have all this armament and they're coming out of the woodwork because they know the fortifications. They know this area. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, step back. You know, that's a little bit ball. That was a ballsy move yeah. to go, okay, we're going to leave our fortification. We're going to go to the place where, okay, hey, they don't really suspect us to come from. Yeah. Which is the vineyard, which is wide open. Ha <laughs> ha, fuckers. Or ran around and attack. Well, no, you know? the Hussites actually, there was only those 60 men oh. stayed in there. It was another surprise force of Jan's oh. men came around and oh. actually took them out. Oh. They didn't know they were there until like they sent out like messenger, like they, a messenger got out like super oh, quick okay, out the road, okay. ran gotcha. to a neighboring city where the rest of the men were and was like, we need help. Get back here quick. We're literally under attack. We're under siege. And like, okay, we'll be there as soon as we can. So they and when the Crusaders showed up, they just started attacking like, oh, they thought it was empty. Or like, oh, it's only held by women and children. Fuck this. We got this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Yan and his men showed up, and they pretty much choked them off so they couldn't go back Pinson to the move. vineyard. Yeah, they couldn't go back to the vineyard. And that's why the only way they could go was through the river or mm. down the steep cliff. And like we said before, neither of those are great fucking escape routes unless yeah. you have a boat in the river, which you don't. Yeah. If, if you're wearing heavy armor like they did, well, you're fucked. Because We've even seen in history with like World War II when men jumping out of the duck boats and all their yep. gears weighting them down. Yeah. We've seen it with the Vikings when their ships are going down. They have all that plate and chain mail with their shields and their weaponry and they just sink like a yep, rock. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So with all that chaos occurring... The battle was a clear victory for the Hussites. The Crusaders lost anywhere from 100 to 300 knights. And this battle of Vitkoff Hill was now named after Jan Zitka. The national monument now exists still today on the hill. And in 2003, the local officials were attempting to replant the vineyard. Really? Yeah. That that would be kind of cool, though, to... To open a vineyard right there and go, yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, it was historically a vineyard and a uh, shitload of dudes got fucking killed here. <laughs> yeah. And so with the building still being there, it gives them the opportunity to be like, you can, like with most of the forts around here, you can walk in there, see what it's like from yeah. their side. And since it was just like one of those battles, Sigismund thought it would just be an easy way to move forward, to keep pressing forward and keep moving, like his momentum going yeah. forward. And... Jan and his men and the Hussites were like, fuck you, man. This yeah. is ours. So they, he basically was like, well, these guys are just in the way. We're just going to go through them. And the other yeah, guys they thought were like, it was a, uh, fuck you. No. They thought <laughs> that it was literally held by men that weren't able to fight. Old, women. Old men, women, and children. Yeah, and children. And they knew, okay, yeah, it's on a cliff, so we can't go that way. But we can go through the uh, – we can definitely go through the vineyard. We can – Probably make it through their moat and get up onto the road right. and come through the main doorway. There's 80,000 of us. We There's no way we can't get this. Yeah, we, we, yeah. Might, we might lose a few guys here and there. But. Yeah, and then once we take down this fort and we take over this road, this will cause a, a strangle point on their supplies. They won't be able to get any reinforcements. They won't be able to backtrack and use this as a defense you know, location. And these people literally boarding up everything, locking everything down, and taking what was left there and attacking. That's why a lot of people think that there was actually 60 soldiers, not like 30 men and three women. Or 29 men, I should say, and three women. So it was just cool to me because it's one of those things of how very few just kept pushing forward and like, we're not, we can't give this up. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. We will be here. They can't break through this, these barriers. We know they're not coming through the back door, which obviously is the cliff. We just got to hang on. And then 
for Jan and his men to come around and be like, fuck you, now it's our turn. Wow. So, that, that, that's fucking intense, man. Like, yeah. I'm surprised you have, there hasn't been like movies or anything like that about it. There pro- I think there is. It's just difficult because there's not much on it. Right. And what I did find on it is, as you probably hear, I was stumbling over it because everything is all jumbled in a little sense. Right. It's like hearsay. So it's like you find some information. It's cool. But most people gloss over this like, yep, because it was such a devastating loss for uh, Sigismund and his men and we, the Crusaders. We don't want to talk about it. Yeah, we don't want to talk <laughs> about it that these, you know... These evildoers, these Hussites yeah. kicked these, our ass. These goddamn evil farmers. Essentially. Well, plus, I mean, some of the historical uh, documentation stuff probably has been lost. Because, yeah. I mean, well, there, that area went through kind of a civil war. Uh, Very true. You know, what, 80s, 90s, somewhere like that. And you also have to remember you had the fucking Soviets that were in there for... A, a long time, and they were not necessarily fans of historical records. Well, and also a lot of it's by word of mouth. That's true. true. Because that was, that's back before record keeping was like, yeah, that was back before record keeping would have been standard and easy to follow, kind of. I'm up next, because uh, mine was in the, uh, mine actually took place in 1897. So it's kind of a happy, almost midway point between you guys, but closer towards Kevin. Okay. That's so, not bad. Um, and I, I Again, with the mispronunciations, I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm not real good with Hindi or Pashtun, and that's what a lot of this is. I guarantee you probably do a lot better than what I do with mine, man. I stumble through mine. But yours, you might have mispronounced the Russian words, but they sounded good. No, I'm just talking about the entire <laughs> thing. I think I stumbled my way through that. I did good. So I'm covering the Battle of Saragari. The battle took place September 12th, 1897, in what's still a really dangerous section of the world, which is the border area between India and Pakistan at the time of the battle. Kashmir it, area, right? Uh, is, that, is that what it is? The Hindu Kush mountain range kind oh, of yeah, that yeah, area. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah that's what um, it was. Sorry. At the time of the battle, it was still, it was actually all Afghanistan because I didn't realize Afghanistan back in the day was a whole lot bigger than it is now. Yeah, it was huge. And then over time, the battles kind of just shrunk it down a little bit more to a little more to where we're at now. Exactly. It was all of Afghanistan, all of Pakistan and part of India was Afghanistan. Like they, it was a big, big country back uh, in the mid to late 1800s. It was hmm. a good chunk of land. Interesting. So the British and Russian empires were having a, now they were having disputes over the colonial territories and the and areas. Having, having a tift. Uh, yeah, I, I would almost go as far as to say a dick measuring competition. Oh, a pissing contest. Yeah. Um, or a dick measuring contest. I don't know. Whatever. Either or. Anyway. So. The British Indian forces of the 36th Sikh Division were... Oh. Yeah, the Sikhs are badass. Sorry. I take it, I'm like, I take it you know who these guys are. I'm here listening intently like, tell me more. And I hear, ooh. I'm like, there's foreshadowing of something cool to happen. When it comes to... Um, what's the best way to word it? Uh, hmm. Kicking ass no, and taking No, I'm, I'm thinking like uh, people that fought for the British Empire that were not ethnically British. Is yeah. this like the French Foreign Legion type yeah. of thing? It's more like the Gurkhas. Oh, okay, okay, okay. gotcha, gotcha. from further south. So, like, the it, it would have been, would have been... They, quote-unquote, borrowed them or yeah. drafted them, quotes-on-quotes, with quotes inside of quotes. But these guys were all, for the most part, the Sikhs, uh, at this point in time, were all volunteer. Oh, okay. So the forces of the 
36th Sikh Division were holding the small fort of Saragari, which was actually um, like a small garrison, uh, garrisoned uh, town. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily a fort. It was actually mm. just kind of like a fortified little town. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this was about 40 miles away from the British-held town and garrison of Kohat. The small fort of Saragari was tucked into the Hindu Kush Mountains between two other small forts, um, Fort Lockhart, which was a mile and a half west of them, and Fort Gullistan, which was three-quarters of a mile to the east. So they would have been smack in the middle of these two forts. Uh Um, And with uh, telescopes or whatever, like eyeglass thing that you'd have, like, you know, Mm pre-binoculars, they could actually see each they could actually see the other two forts from where they were. Mm-hmm. The forts could communicate with each other via heliographic signals, which would have been a smoke signal? No, not quite. Oh. Uh, it would have been uh, like a tripod with a little round mirror on it and you yeah, could so you could flash it. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So kind of like uh was it pre-Morse code? Kind of, yeah. It would have been well, or, no, well, yeah. Actually, it might it might have technically been Morse code cuz Morse code's been around for a while. I would have thought of it more almost like um, like flag signals on ships and shit. You know? Okay. But gotcha. I, okay. I, anybody that can read fucking flashes of light yeah. and translate it, all the respect in the world, because that's a talent that not a lot of people I don't think can pick up. I could barely read English. <laughs> on the morning of September 12th, 1897, uh, Havildar, which is the, the Indian Army equivalent of a sergeant, his name was Ishar Singh who was the commander of the fort at Saragari. And I wanted to take a second right now to tell you that all of the guys in this fort shared the last name of Singh. They were not necessarily related. And I'm going to get into that in a second. Because it was more of a, a term that people would attach to the end of their name. It's, a, it's basically um, like a, a warrior class kind of thing. Like mm. if you're a warrior, you take this name of Singh to show that you're a warrior. Mm-hmm. So it, it's one of those things where I had to look into it because I was like, a lot of fucking Singhs here. What's going on? You know, it's kind of like with the, it seems to me like it's one of those things where it's kind of like a part of a nickname, but also they take it as the root word of their name. Like with certain cultures have son of, for instance, my last name you know, has son at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So it would be son of, and then, you know, that type of thing. Um, like Ibn Fahalan. 13th yeah. Warrior reference yeah. means son of. Yep. Little brother. Little brother. <laughs> <laughs> so Ishir Singh, who was the commander of the fort at Saragari, woke up to find his men. Uh, 20 Sikh soldiers who were already awake. They're talking, joking around, having their tea. There were a total of 21 men in this guard post. The peaceful, somewhat calm morning would not last long, as a signalman, Gurmak Singh, reported a large enemy force approaching. He then signaled Fort Lockhart, saying, Enemy approaching, main gate, need reinforcement. Fort Lockhart counted enemy banners at around 160. So that would have been the actual flags that these guys were bringing into battle with them. There would have been 160 of them. Oof. Which doesn't mean that necessarily that there's 160 soldiers there it's just the bannermen there's, are... there's 160 bannermen yeah and they were they were different banners so these were different uh tribes of, yeah of, of, of uh Afghanis. still though 160 people like even if they're just the bannermen 160 still a lot yeah that 160 is. that's uh well over what that's about uh, 
eight to one, something like that. Yeah, like <laughs> if you're just going just off of basic banners, it's like if I saw that, I'd be like that is is insane. Uh, check please. Time to go. So that 160 banners would have been somewhere around 14,000 Orkazi tribesmen rushing this tiny little fort. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Uh, after seeing the massive number of men rushing the gates, the signalmen at Fort Lockhart sing, uh, signaled back, unable to break through, hold position. So I don't know that that's got to be so disheartening to be like, we need fucking help. And then to have them go, mm-hmm. we can't help you. Yeah. Sorry. You know. Well, how many times have you had something, whether it be just minuscule, like, hey, I need to move this. Can you help me? Yeah. And you get that one person that's like, uh, um, no. I, I would. But um, then you put it in a life or death situation and you're like, oh, this fucking sucks. Yeah. And it makes you, that's actually where you kind of really see the true test of someone's metal. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to run and retreat? Or are you going to stay there and fight? Or mm. I don't know. Yeah. Like for mine, it's they, they knew they were in a stronghold. They knew they, yeah. all they had to do was hang on for at least 24 hours. And their backup, what it became. Yeah, these guys didn't have that luxury, unfortunately. No. The reason that Fort Lockhart could not send reinforcements out is because it would have left their position wide open for attack. And it was Lockhart was actually a more valuable fort to keep from being destroyed and overrun. Because that was basically the the one that the Sikhs were in was basically the the FOB, the Fort Operating Base, yes. not the not, not the like main. mine where mine was just there as a supply hold. Yeah. And, and Lockhart had the main, like, communications equipment. So Lockhart would have actually had, like, maybe some kind of a telegraph or something to get a message out. Uh, they would have had your food resources, all of this stuff. They were the main base that needed to be protected from, from attack. When this news reached Ishir Singh, he collected his men and told them that they were going to stand and fight. None of his men disagreed. They took up arms and took defensive positions. They didn't. They right. didn't have a, a, like, oh, fuck, we're screwed. None of them. They just, fuck it. Let's do this. Well, I wonder if a lot of that's, like, there's nothing we can do. Why run? And also, a lot of times, maybe they made peace with God and knew that, you know, yeah, we're going to die today, but at least we're going to bring honor to ourselves, to our family, and then, you know what, let's see how many of these motherfuckers we can take yep. with us. Wire code. Yep. Yeah, man. Die with honor. That's- exactly. I'd rather die with my shield and sword than in the back getting hit while I'm running. So they were going to do their best to hold the fort until one of the two other forts could send reinforcements. Mm-hmm. So the Sikhs fired into the group of tribesmen. They actually got to the point where they fought off the entire first wave of these guys. So they were kind of like, okay, maybe maybe that's enough to, to push them back. Yeah. So they kind of had a little bit of a break for a couple of hours, and then the second wave hit. So probably what... Uh couple thousand in the first wave probably there's there's no concrete number how many they killed in the first wave um but i'm just getting you know, the spitball in it yeah you know you're not gonna of what a th- force of fourteen thousand, mm-hmm. depending on who the survivors right. are one's gonna like we talked about before inflate the numbers and the other side is gonna deflate the numbers right yeah deflate I, not deflate <laughs> so this is when the battle took a little bit of a turn uh, the Sikhs were, at this point in time, starting to run low on ammunition, and the tribesmen had taken up a new tactic. They uh, they'd started setting fire to the, the low-lying, like, really dry brush right around it, giving themselves a smoke screen so you can't uh-huh. see what direction they're coming in from, you can't see how many are coming. 
So, smart move on their part. Sucks for our good guys, though. Yeah. So, the smoke from the brush fires made it, like again, like we said, made it really hard to hard to see. Um, and the Sikhs had a really difficult time trying to figure out where the tribesmen were coming in. And then the tribesmen actually breached part of the wall. So, Ashir Singh, who, again, our commander of the base, had been wounded at this point in time. He ordered his men to retreat to the inner walls of the fort. He knew that this would be difficult for them to do to leave him there. And he also knew that it was going to be difficult for them to leave in general with a section of the, of the fort having been destroyed and trying to retreat back while these guys are flooding in. Uh-huh. So Ishir Singh uh, had two of his men stand him up and he told them pretty much get to the inner inner, inner walls. Ah. Uh, <laughs> so he stood there sword and pistol in hand uh, just to give his men a little bit of a chance to retreat there's always that one guy Dude. there's always the one guy that's like everybody get back I'll hold him back for as long as I can and they're usually that motherfucker that has the explosives and he he wasn't a young guy he was in his 50s at this point in time and he's yeah, just he's like he's an old dog fucking let's do this you know again there's always that one guy so he he gave them as much of a chance as he could with what little he had and being injured and all that. By the time the Afghan tribes had fully breached the fort, there were five Sikhs still alive, uh, including our signal man, uh, uh, Gurmuk, who sent his final signal, uh, request permission to dismount and join fight. The response received was permission granted. Yeah. (laughs) He needed permission to go help his his friends fight. After getting prom- oh hold on hold on I told you this one fucked me up man this is like you can kind of you can see what's happening exactly and you're just like these guys are all gonna fucking die and they don't give a shit so pretty much you know, put it in perspective you know something closer to you know time uh, people may have seen it Black Hawk Down yeah you know Shigar and Gordon yep. re- requesting once again permission to go in yep permission granted you know you could die yeah we understand. Those guys have to be an episode at some point in time. You know, you want to talk about bad motherfuckers that sacrificed everything to save people that, that, yeah. Um, so after getting permission, Singh disassembled his, uh, his signaling device, very carefully packed it back into the leather carrying case, put it away out of where it wasn't going to be damaged, took up his rifle and jumped headlong into the battle. The remaining five Sikhs fought with rifles, pistols, swords, and at some points in time, they fought hand-to-hand with these guys. If weapon runs out, you don't have time to reload, fuck it, I'm going to beat you to death with my bare hands. Hey, man, if you got a rifle, you got yourself a bat. Exactly. Or if it's got a bayonet in it, there you go. So, according to according to the signalman from Fort Lockhart, who took up a scope, he, he was trying to keep track of the battle, he claimed he saw Gurk, uh, Gurmak Singh, our signalman, kill 20 Afghan tribesmen by himself before being killed himself. Holy wow. shit. Yeah. And you got to remember, these are guys with bolt-action rifles mm-hmm. and revolvers. Yeah. So you're getting, what, five shots out of a rifle, six out of a revolver? And then just badass motherfucker with hands? <laughs> exactly. So all 21 Sikhs and a cook uh, were all killed in the attack. The ferocity of the, that these men fought with made waves around the world. Um when word of the bravery that these men had showed in combat reached the British Parliament, they halted sessions and gave the men a standing ovation. 
Jesus. That's fucking awesome. You know, yeah. I'm I'm imagining that cook has like literally all of his kitchen implements. Yeah. He's got like a, a frying pan on his back or on his behind, like, you know, a la PUBG or whatever. <laughs> literally just having everything and he's just throwing kitchen knives and utensils and like killing a motherfucker with a ladle. <laughs> yeah, he's probably like, Fuck this man, I got everything I need right here because I'm fuck you, get out of here. The Queen of England said of these men, quote, it is no exaggeration to record that the armies which possess the valiant Sikhs cannot face defeat in war. That's, you know, coming from the queen who is like. Hard to please that woman. Exactly. And it's like, this is at that point in time where the sun was still almost never setting on the British Empire, kind of. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we got the fucking baddest people in the world to fight for us. That was uh, Elizabeth's mom. Yeah. Just shows the strength of the, like, the integrity and the will to just keep going against these insurmountable odds that you're like, fuck it. Yeah. It, I got nothing to lose. We got, you know, let's keep going, keep going, keep going. Yep. We're going to fight in, we're, with everything that we have, and we're going to die doing it. But yeah, people will remember what we did here is pretty much exactly how it works. Fortune favors the brave. The entire regiment was awarded the Indian Order of Merit. Which is the highest bravery award given to, which was at that point in time, the highest uh, bravery award given to Indian soldiers. This was also the only time that an entire regiment was given the highest award of gallantry. September 12th is Saragari Day, and it is still celebrated by uh, the Sikh Regiment of the Indian Army, which is still the most highly decorated regiment of the entire Indian Army. During my research, I watched a couple of videos here and there on YouTube, and I, I kind of, as I was watching them, this next one just kind of popped up, and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this, too. And it was basically a history of uh, the Sikhs in the British military. And I, I have – it's hard to put into words the kind of respect that you have for these guys that are fighting for a country which colonized them. Doesn't and they're really just give like, a shit about them too much. Yeah, and they're, and they're just like, fuck it. We'll fight for you. We don't care. And to this day, Sikhs are actually like the top, like three or four percent genetic makeup of the British military. So you have like British Sikhs that are still gung ho to go to war and defend their country. Um, I, I yeah, I, I learned a lot about this, and I've got a lot of respect for these guys. Wow. And uh, actually, there was another one that I watched. Speaking of Sikhs, where. There was a, a gentleman that was in the, I believe he was a ranger. He was a Sikh. And part of the thing was, because for Sikhs, their um, their head, their headwear, their, it's, yeah. a, it's a turban, I guess. Um, that and their beards are like super, super sacred to him. And he was told, no beard, no headgear. Fuck it, whatever, I'll, I'll do it. After he got out, he actually successfully sued the United States military for, uh, I don't know exactly what you'd call it, uh, religious prejudice or something like yeah. that. Re- yeah, religious discrimination. There, there we go. And because of that, if you are a Sikh in the United States military now, you are allowed to wear your beard and you're allowed to wear your headgear. Because this one guy went, that's not, that's not right. So he got the whole thing changed for... An entire Everybody. group of people, which is fucking amazing. For everyone. Yeah. It's it's actually like if you're whatever, you can 
you know, have whatever. I know they still have regulations with facial hair sometimes, but I think that's starting to finally go away a little bit. I think that maybe it's because I'm a little bit biased with the facial hair thing, but I feel like I understand when you're in, you're doing your schooling and when you're doing your training and all that stuff. Right. But when you're out in the field, fuck it. Who cares? Has your beard ever impeded you at work? Uh, no, because exactly. Smart. <laughs> but no, it's just in general though. Like, obviously, keep it well maintained and keep it well groomed. Don't go like fucking thirteen feet of it and like be all crazy wild to do whatever. But it's just it's hair. Exactly. Leave it alone. Who cares? And if you're out in the field and you're doing a job, fucking don't worry about it. Yeah. Unless you are wearing a respirator or a gas mask constantly. That's the only time I could see it. But there's ones that, you know, you can get for that, though. Exactly. So, I, But I just I thought it was really fascinating. I kind of fell into a rabbit hole watching stuff about Sikhs in the military. And wow. Just fucking yeah. absolutely fucking wow. Defending a country that's not your own. Yeah. For me, it's that, that gentleman that asked permission Took the time to put his stuff away neatly. Yeah, did that. Just have that much sense of pride of who he is and what his job is, and be like, "All right, time to go." Reading that, it it got me right in the fucking yeah, dude. Right in the feels, and I was like, "You were tearing up, yeah, a couple times." Yeah, it's it was. uh, This one was kind of rough for me, honestly. It was. It's weird, but it was. uh, It was really emotional to read this stuff where these guys are just like. Well, yeah, because most of the time when you you think of last stands, there's always, typically, stereotypically, whatever. There's the the light at the end of the tunnel. They always come out alive. There's you know the made for TV movie type thing. Yeah, where, like here's where you, you know you had fucking survivors. Like, yeah, the only people that died were the crusading forces of Sigismund. Yeah, and these guys got decimated. And and theirs was a much harder of a battle. But Mine it, had a fucking cliff and a well you know fortified road and moats, and the only place they could come in was through the vineyard. Yours was like, hey, guess what? We're wide open everywhere. Yeah, in in the fucking mountains and, and desert. Yeah, and we don't have anything like nature wise to protect no. us. Oh, did I mention that when the reinforcements showed up the next day, they lost count at around four thousand bodies that these guys left. These twenty one guys, fucking, destroyed almost half of this army. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> so yeah. They went out with a fucking bang. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, when I read, I, I had to read that a couple of times. I'm like, am I getting the right number? Did they mean, you know, did they add it? They add a zero here. Then I looked at another source and it's like, holy fuck. <laughs> they were stacking fucking bodies like left and co- right. Mine just had a couple hundred. Whew. Yeah. Wow. They, they fucking went to town on these guys. So it's like, you know, good on you. You know. Yeah. So. Whew. <laughs> That was rough. Yeah, that that was. Yeah. All right, so we have a happy ending. We have a sad ending. Ready to do yours, big guy? Actually, before we do that, uh-oh, we're gonna take a real quick break, and yeah. we'll be back after need, uh, after a, some words. I need a drink after that one. Me too. The Dark Windows Podcast is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand service with thousands of in-depth videos taught by some of the world's greatest professors. You'll always have something fascinating to learn about on there. With categories ranging from history to travel and everything in between, there's something for everyone. 
The courses I'm personally looking forward to the most are the 36-part series on the Vikings and a 24-part series called The Agency, A History of the CIA. If you go over to ageofradio.org forward slash dark windows, there's an offer to get the Great Courses Plus free for 14 days. Stay ahead in life. Start your access today with 11,000 plus video and audio lectures on a variety of topics. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, we are back. Back in the saddle. Yeah, that was actually a. I'm I'm pretty excited about that ad. Yeah, I'm I'm just happy to go get a drink after yeah. yours. Yeah. All right. That's definitely service I'm going to be checking into. Also, so yeah. Ready, Mr. H. So now, for the the last and final of the last stands. But mine really wasn't a last stand. It was just a stand. Let's just put it like that. Because this guy. Do we have a survivor? Oh, yes. So it's a last stand. It is a last stand because he's still going. It's not just a stand. He stood his ground. (laughs) There you go. That is a last stand. Yeah. Just like many of the other people in World War II, because we're jumping ahead a few years from Kevin's. um, Yeah, what, like 55 years, something like that? Yeah. Somewhere in that that neighborhood, yeah. You know. uh, My person... Not group, but person I'm covered. I covered for this subject is uh, John R. McKinney. Uh, I know that name. After reading this, I was like, after looking at everything, I was like, holy shit, this guy is a, was a fucking badass. This, this he, is- he would have been the perfect one of the perfect guys if I had found him for the badass episode. This, this, I would have put him this in. Guy, it. This guy could have been in Three Bad Dudes Part Two, Electric oh. Boogaloo. Yeah, which we need to do another one of those. I think I'm, I'm game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely have another one. We I got, talk we got about. a lot of really good feedback on the three bad dudes. I think we could we should definitely do that well, again. This guy, I have another. I have a guy for that one. Perfect. But so this guy, um, John R. McKinney, he was born on February 26, nineteen twenty-one. He was actually, uh, uh, let's see, five years older than my grandfather. Nice. Yeah, just you know, just about that. Uh, he was born in the town of Woodcliffe, Georgia, and he actually died in the town of Woodcliffe, Georgia. Really? Uh, he died on uh, April 4th, 1997. Hmm. He joined the military in Woodcliffe uh, in, on um, November 23rd of 1942. Actually, I have to thank my brother uh, for helping me with this because he uh, I couldn't find it out and I needed some help because... <laughs> I needed a military brain. You, you, you've got an insider for... <laughs> yeah. And he was actually able to point me to a source. So thanks, Ben. Anyway, uh, he did his training at Fort McPherson. And my brother would say, it's F- McPherson. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, in Georgia. Is is that near <laughs> Benning? Or is that... I'm not quite sure. Because then Benning's army, right? Yeah. And he was, he was an army or is he a Marine? Army. Okay. He was a part of the United States Army, Company A... 123rd Infantry, 33rd Infantry Division. Okay. Yeah, and he fought in the Pacific Theater of World War II. Ooh. Now, I had to, I had to ask, once again, I had to go to my brother for this, and I was like, what's this all mean? Well, he was in Company A of the 123rd Infantry, mm-hmm. um, and it was the 33rd Infantry Division. Okay. I guess these guys were pretty badasses. They had uh, – I actually looked up some stuff on it because they have their own uh, webpage. 
And they had several guys during this portion actually get the Medal of Honor. Really? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. What? Yeah. I was like, holy I wish, shit. Uh, uh, no, I think Barcelona, I think he was a Marine, wasn't he? Yeah, I believe okay. so. But yeah, they they didn't they didn't make them fucking they they weren't pussies. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, none of these guys were. No. So the the reason I chose him was because of his actions while he was stationed at Tayabas Province, Lozon, Philippine Islands. His company was ordered to set up an outpost near uh, Dingalanan Bay, and so. One part of his company. <laughs> ding a lang a ding a lang a ding a lang a bay. I automatically went ding a lang bay. <laughs> I was gonna say ice ding, cream ding. truck bay. Oh, I was ding thinking a ling, a ling. ding ding. Oh, the wienerine. Oh, ding dong. Ding a ling. Ding along. Ding along bay. Okay. I don't know. Fuck. Anyway, one part of this company was on the north side, and he was stationed on the south side. They had, uh, so they'd split the company kind of. Yeah, because when uh-huh. you have you have different areas where you have to you have to defend because it's yeah, so exactly, absolutely. One, absolutely. one moves know? up, then the other one moves up. One moves up, the other one moves up. Or they're like, well, we got a choke point. Like we were thinking that we were creating a kill box. Yeah, you, you have to make sure that you know two sides are covered, so and nobody's gonna get between you. If somebody does, well, <laughs> just let them up. You know, then you're then you're gonna have to well communicate and yeah, see what the hell is gonna happen. happen. So I had to look this up because. The breakdown of military groups has always confused me. So a company, for anybody curious, is between 80 to 150 men. Yeah. So it's it's not a huge group, but it's not a small group. It's it's that nice in between well, where you got... his little area, his, his company, not company so much as... Um, his unit? Unit. Okay. More like it was... He just had a small group of people. And there was, you know, north and south. Well, there was only a few foxholes with machine gun nests right where he was. Not only was it just was it his was the army guys infantry division fighting. It was actually also some Filipino guerrilla fighters. Oh, awesome! Involved in this. Awesome. Now, so this whole thing takes place, like I said, at Dingalong Bay, and it actually more precisely takes place at pre-dawn hours. He's getting done with a early his his shift. Right. Okay. His watch. His watch is done. Beat tired, wants to go to sleep. Crawl, you know, he's in this foxhole, pulls a cover over. Now, in a little video I watched, they called it his tent. Well, it's not really a tent. <laughs> it's a fucking hole with a blanket over yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a canvas thing over it. Right. So, he's like, "All right, I'm done, you know. You guys that are sharing this foxhole with me, who are guerrilla fighters. Your turn. Here, here, it's your turn. Tag, you're it. <laughs> don't touch my hole. Don't touch my blankie. Yeah. <laughs> like elbow the dude in the ribs next to you. Go watch him. I'm going to see <laughs> Go tonight. <laughs> yeah. So he's gone to sleep. While resting peacefully, approximately 100 Japanese soldiers stealthily move in. Uh-oh. No, damn. They attack the perimeter defenses. Get through it. And they're basically concentrating on the light machine gun nests. Makes sense. To yeah, try to get into them. Yeah, threat assessment. You, you, mm-hmm. you might, they might not be the closest, but that's the biggest threat to you. You take them out first. Yeah. 
Well, Wayne McKinney comes into this. He's awoken by a Japanese soldier who lifts up the tent, the, the, not tent flap, the, just a flat can, canvas flap. And so, oh shit! I thought this was the bathroom. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Close it back up. <laughs> Lifts it up. He sees him. He's like, "Oh shit!" Well, McKinney thinks that, "Hey, one of my fellow, you know, buddies is pulling a prank on me." Oh. And he wakes up and he's like, "Oh shit!" Well, the Japanese soldier, you know, jabs at him with his. They say it's a saber, but I think it may have been more like his, uh, like a bayonet. Bayonet. Yeah. And. He skins the side of his head and gets into his ear a little bit. Oh fuck! Mm. You know, no, thank you. This p- must have pissed him off because he <laughs> he like you know he comes out of his daze real quick. He can't is not positioned to fire. Takes s- slams his gun into him, and then John McKinney then, got angry. Yeah. <laughs> then he's like comes out, smacks him in the head several times with the the butt of his rifle. I told him. you not to wake my ass up, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, strokes the strokes him with the rifle, n- kills the guy, strokes and him. yep, <laughs> butt stroke. <laughs> mm. So beats the living shit out of the guy, kills him, and then realizes that there's more assailants coming. Shoots two more that were charging at him. And what's he have? Probably a M1, like a Garand. Garand yeah. Okay. Yep. So that's. Eight shot stripper clips, something like that. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't. And, he, and he's only fired the two shots okay. so far. Doesn't know. He doesn't really know what's happening because he's still kind of in that little bit of a haze. Yeah, like he probably you know. he'd probably gotten into like maybe it's like the beginnings of that like deep sleep cycle, and then you wake up and you're like, oh, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. Okay, I, I get that. He he hears fighting going on in the north of him, but he's like, I can't be concerned with that. Okay, they're fighting. Guys are still alive. All right. right. I got a concern with what's going on in front of me. Right. That's all I can be concerned with right now. So he looks over. He sees a machine gun nest next to him that is basically being overrun. Two guys that are in it are going down. One, you know, he's he's definitely wounded. So the other guy's like, okay, I got to get this other guy out of here who happens to be a buddy of his. Got to get him out. So he starts, you know, trying to drag the guy out, two Japanese guys jump in the, the foxhole. He go McKinney's like, okay, well, they're going to try to use this because he sees them trying to rack the chamber yeah, you know, to get the rounds to go in and fire. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Go, runs over, shoots both of them, hops in the foxhole, tries to rack the round himself. It's not working, but he's like, oh, shit. More guys are rushing at him. Shoots them. Okay, stops, tries to rack it again. It's not rack. It's not doing anything. So he's got a pretty severe jam, is what we're. Yeah, it's it's just not wanting to communicate, trying to work with him at all. Okay, and he's like, oh well, shit, I can't you know, let this fall into enemy hands. You know, even if no, it's not working. Maybe they might get it working. Yeah, I got to stick around. With all, it. all it takes to get that thing working is time, and if they've got people to defend it, then maybe a hammer, yeah. whack on it. <laughs> yeah, get the fawns. <laughs> Hey. hey! In Japanese. <laughs> so, all alone, Private McKinney was confronted by another 10 infantrymen. Jesus shoots Christ. Them, shoots seven of them at point blank range, <laughs> killed three more with his rifle butt, 
fuck. And, he, and what a badass. <laughs> so he goes from position to position, getting more ammunition. Right. Reloading, firing, reloading, firing. Just keeps going. And going from shooting to hand to hand combat. You know, because, I mean, they get into so close, you can't yeah, fire. And that rifle's fairly yeah. long. You can't just swing it around on yeah. the dime either. I mean, so Jesus. <laughs> so then this whole time, 38 Japanese soldiers had died around the machine gun. And two more at the side of the mortar uh, that were just a little ways away. So at this point in time, he's got like 40 kills yeah, on his own? he's got somewhere around 40. Jesus Christ. Uh, the whole distance for this this whole skirmish was no more than 45 yards. Holy shit. Well, that's like no like no distance at all. No. Holy shit. God damn, dude. And he had basically had taken them all on single-handedly. Nobody you didn't else. think this was a last stand. Come on, bro. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, okay. Where the hell is everybody else? Up north on the other side. <laughs> Running away. So, so he was basically dead. just... It just like his small little unit. So it would have been him and like the guerrilla fighters. So there's what maybe so him, three or four the of them. Guerrilla fighters, uh, machine gun nest, and there was a mortar nest. So the mortar nest had been taken out. So we're looking at probably forty dudes, like forty Americans, possibly, maybe a little less. The guerrilla fighter guys had taken the fuck off. Oh, that makes sense. because you know, he didn't know where the hell they went. He thought maybe while well, they had gone over to the north side, they probably fucking split. They're just like fuck this and yeah. So he had fought with his strong will, spirit, and extraordinary fighting ability and unwearing courage in his face of tremendous odds. He saved his company from being possibly annihilated and set example for unsurpassed uh, fortitude. And he held long enough, which the time frame was 37 minutes. So this whole thing took place in 37 minutes in the time that you would that'd be like, like a lifetime during that. Yeah. And I mean, you, to think that like, that's the amount of time you have to wait to go pick up a fucking pizza. Pretty much. <laughs> he held that line. Fuck. Long enough so that his friends could get to safety. And so that the North guys could fight what they're doing and, and try he, to back him up. And then by the time they arrived, they were they were just like, "What the hell is going? What how, many fucking, just how many fucking guys did you have over here yeah. killing Japanese men?" <laughs> they're like, "What the hell just happened here?" You know, I mean, and now the range, as you know, we were saying about number of guys killed. Some say thirty-seven, but some say it was over forty. Fuck. So it doesn't. I'm gonna say know, this man's over forty because he is a yeah. badass. Now, for his actions during this little battle, skirmish, which whatever you want to call it, yep. he was awarded on February 4th, 1946, uh, the Medal of Honor by President Truman. Uh, understandably. Yeah. I mean... Holy shit, dude. I, I was... <laughs> as soon as I saw this, I was like, wow. And you know, he's yeah. he's not one of the bigger names that you, you hear about, like no. World War II guys like Audie Murphy or fucking Chesty yeah. Puller. He's... But fucking badass. Yeah. I mean, to hold the line for 37 minutes. Yeah, and hold that like, area where you need to defend so that yeah. way they couldn't sneak up to your other guys. I mean, I've, I've heard of guys that 
have held the line for a lot longer than that. But still, though, you can't downplay what somebody's you know doing this, yeah, yeah. putting I mean, their life on the line for everybody else. Yeah, Audie Murphy held off like three waves of of uh, Japanese fighters, but he had a fucking thirty caliber belt fed machine gun that he was this, proficient with. This dude was doing it with a fucking semi automatic rifle that ran out of ammo. I'm guessing because he was beating motherfuckers to death yeah. with it left, ran, right, and center. It ran out of ammo. He had to go skirmish, skirmish around, look around, get more. While beating the shit out of it's, you know, it's guys. real life Call of Duty where you you fucking fight and then you go okay I'm gonna go to this foxhole oh there's ammo in here awesome yeah fuck dude Liver Eating Johns would have looked down and pointed mm. and go mm. <laughs> thumbs, thumbs up, up. <laughs> definitely so Liver, yeah Liver Eating Johnson to prove badass so that's my uh, I want that as a shirt <laughs> we just need to make it a fucking stamp just like bam Liver Eating Johnson approved <laughs> I'm, I'm getting for it. So that was uh, the three last stands, and I. I I'm not gonna like, lie, man. I feel like mine was the shittiest one of this. But you had a good topic, but you, like you said, there wasn't a lot of information. Yeah, it's, it's all about like questioning. There's a lot of hearsay on it, and the historians and chronicles chroniclers are different on it. Exactly, but your guys also fought. They, it wasn't fight harder, it was fight smarter. Yeah. We have a defensible position, we're going to wait here, and we're going to kill you assholes as you come up. Yeah. And it, it was a different time period, too. Exactly. You know, different fighting style. Yeah, your guys are out there beating people with fucking maces and shit. Like. Flails and guns. No, I'm just thinking, I'm like, your dudes were like, fucking, fuck it, man, whatever happens, happens. We're dying as warriors. Your guy was like, all right. Time for me to be the man. I'm going back to Georgia. Fuck this. Yeah. I, I ain't dying here. <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck this, man. I have way better things to do than this. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, my brother was looking at it and he, you know, just, he was like, holy shit. Yeah. Because this he, guy got, got like almost stabbed and, and wow. <laughs> Actually, you know, you brought up the whole thing where they said it was some kind of a, a like a blade. Probably Katana. A lot of Japanese officers carried swords. They Maybe. carried Katanas. Yeah, maybe World it was War II a... Katana right now is worth a shit ton of money. <sighs> yeah, so well, it, it I... might have been a Japanese officer that that got in on him, and he's like, uh, "Nope." Yeah, I mean, it said sword, but uh, you know, I don't really know. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's kind of one of those ones where maybe the story was retold, and he didn't exactly remember it, how it was. Yeah, it was some kind of a blade. Yeah, and maybe that just got blown out of proportion to be like, oh. Guy was in there with a fucking claymore, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Realistically, it's just like a little—it's like a little butter knife just yeah. poking at him. It doesn't matter because his his freaking ear got you know got taken off a little bit of, and he got you know got wounded. Fuck so he pro- also got the purple got heart, heart yeah. you know, out of it. You probably didn't want. He's like, I just got stabbed in the ear. Get away from me! And yeah. I'm sure there was multiple different you know metallic colors of stars that were given to him as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, a couple of the you know things I watched on it. The, there was accounts from uh, reports from different uh, people, uh, his fellow uh, soldiers that were like, yeah, I was watching it. You know, and one of the guys was wounded. He was like, he, he, he was just going mad and he was just firing, 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 just, you know, bludgeoning the guy. And he was like, I was just starstruck. And I was like, wow. All right, Frank Castle. Yeah. <laughs> right. But so yeah, so if uh, you know, let's that's the uh, last stands. Like I said, you know, yeah. and I think uh, I think we all did. You know, it was pretty yeah. cool topics that we all Oof. chose. And actually, you know, speaking of World War Two ones, when I was looking through them, I was looking at some different guys, and one of them I stumbled across. I can't remember the guy's name, 
but the thing that jumped out at it about uh, the thing that jumped out about him to me was reading through a quick story. He got into a, a, a German like artillery trench where, you know, they have like their, their trench systems for their artillery guns and stuff. And he got up behind this German guy and he went to shoot him and his rifle jammed. So he picked up one of those fucking old like potato masher grenades that the Germans had and he beat the motherfucker to death with it. <laughs> How scary would that be to be like, I'm going to beat you to death with something that could very well blow up and kill all of us right now. Wow. <laughs> Don't fucking test me. Yeah. If Holy I saw that, shit. I'd be like, all right, dude, you win. Yeah. Say it. Uh, I'm going home. Fuck. Um, you have nice shoes. I got my hands up. No, 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 no. No. I'll go with you. You win. <laughs> Let's go camping. <laughs> so but, this is this is what they are, one of these topics where uh, having a pair of headphones would be excellent. Yeah. So if you need a pair of headphones or earbuds, go check out studio.com and uh, check out what they have. They have, you know, like I said, earbuds, a variety of those. But you will will not be disappointed about. Ooh, God no. Kevin has a pair. His wife has a pair. They love them. All three of us have pairs of we, studio headphones. We all three of us have pair of studio headphones. We have, we have the, the Regents, Regents, which are fantastic. Yes, we use them every single week. Yep. And they also have another pair, which are called the what set is it? What is it called? Your what favorite, your favorite kind? I'm not my favorite kind. I don't own them yet, but I will. They're the claw. <laughs> Which well, the, man, that's how you got to say it. You yeah. can't just say it and plain and neither normal. Neither one of us could do it that well. So. Yeah, that's why I was like, wait, Seth, where are they? They're the, yeah. I will buy a pair someday. They're the over-the-ear headphones. Which they are, are noise-canceling. I need a good discount ear. code to get them, though. Yeah. Yeah, we have one of those. Really? Yeah. What is it? It's uh, Dark Windows 15. Booyah. That's when you put that in at checkout. Yep. And you'll get 15% off. Yeah. You know, because they love you and we love you. So, you know, we want to give you something back. And if you want to set up your own, I don't know, maybe 35 millimeter scale last stand, but you need to paint them. Seth's got a deal for you. Wow. That was that good. That was a good one. That was good. That's right, That bitch. was impressive. I, boom. Uh, Didn't intentionally suck this time. <laughs> generally, though, they're like 25 mil. But hey, man, close enough. No. Bolt action's 35. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. No. You sure? Oh, I'm no. sorry, they're 28. Excuse Boom. me. Split the difference with There me. you go. <laughs> no, what he's talking about is head on over to Game Envy. Like I said at the top of the show, I'm not going to go through the whole rundown again. You head over to GameEnvy.net, home of the Hobby Holder. You pick out some sweet hobby-related tools that you like, like the Hobby Holder, like I said, the Brush Bash and the Paint Puck or any of the other amazing tools. Put those in your checkout cart. Put the promo code BROADSTONE at checkout, and you'll save yourself 10% off the entire order. Now, if you want to create a last stand, you don't have any miniatures with you, huh? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Head on over to DiceHead.com, home of DiceHead Games, located out of Cleveland, Tennessee. Beautiful, sunny Cleveland, Tennessee. Probably as sunny there was there earlier today. Yeah. It was a nice little warm day. But yeah, they have a wide variety of miniature games, board games, comic books, any kind of collectibles and the nerdery that you want to get yourself into or it, out of. Except for plates and spoons. They don't sell those. You don't know that. Yeah, no, they don't. You don't know, man. They don't have them on their website, at least. Oh, that's true. <laughs> they also have a sweet uh, miniature bag, which I'm probably going to be investing in pretty soon. Because, you know, I have miniatures. Yeah. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take pictures of some old miniatures I have that are still on the sprue. Some are off the sprue, and some are painted, and some are obviously unpainted. Send pictures of them down to them. 
they're going to email me back and let me know what it's worth because that's the miniature trade-in program. It's awesome because then that way you don't have to go on Craigslist. You don't have to go on eBay. And get hosed. Right? Or have somebody bicker with you and say it's not worth it and try to barter and nickel and dime you over the the stupidest little thing. These guys... They'll send you send them pictures and they look at it like, okay, we'll get back to you in a couple days, get back to you in a couple days, and guess what? You have a great price coming back at you and you can use it for store credit and pick up yourself some cool stuff. Yeah. And if it so happens that you happen to be like, hey, you know, Seth was talking about a place where we could go and and get some miniatures or get some board games and stuff like that. Or you don't remember what exactly what the the promo code was for Studio or anything, you know, um, or Game Envy. For if you want to get that, you can email us at darkwindowspod at gmail.com. You got it. Or, or you can just hop on Facebook. You go to Facebook and you punch in uh, Dark Windows podcast. Hey, we're there. You'll be looking for uh, <laughs> Kevin C and Kevin H. Yep. On hmm. there. And then uh, you can go to Instagram. We got one of them. It's uh, Dark Windows Pod. I'm starting to learn how to use hashtags better, thanks to Seth. You're welcome. Yeah, because I was putting like two or three on, and he's like, "Don't be a bitch. Put a bunch on there." And he sent me a list, and it's like, "He's fucking." Because I live on that <laughs> shit, man. Now we got like sixty of them on there, so fuck it. Yeah, we're. You also... can max out at like thirty or thirty-five. I can't remember. Yeah, that's which. fine. We got like twenty-four, I think. There you go. Like Good enough. And we're on uh, Twitter at. Dark Windows Pod as yeah, well. We're vaguely on Twitter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we have a Twitter. We have a, a Twitter account. <laughs> a Twit account. Oh, yes. and guess guess what else we have? What else we have? And get, we talk about it all the time. We got a Patreon account too. Go check it out. Even if you don't want to donate right now, that's fine. Go check out the different tiers and see what we have to offer for you. You know, we got a one dollar, five dollar, ten dollar, and twenty dollar tier, and. We have a liver-eating Johnson tier. That's number 20, buddy. Boom. And yeah. The $20 mm. tier is probably the best bang for your buck because you get a bunch of shit with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's everything's a good bang for your buck. Yeah. I'll give you a good good bang for your buck. <laughs> Ooh, you're kinky. Call it a buck 25 and I'll, I'll throw in something spicy for you. Mm. <laughs> I'm going home. Yep. Nice. Anyway, um, so yeah, we got some uh, we got some pretty rad shit coming up in the next couple of weeks. We got... Uh, Before we get to that... Oh, well, yeah. where can we check? Where can they find us? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can. Yeah. You know what? I'm glad you cut me off there. Because <laughs> you can find us on uh, pretty much everywhere now. Yeah. Yeah. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, Breaker, uh, Google. You know Google Play. So you since know- you're listening to the show, tell your friends and let them know where they can find us. And if you don't remember exactly where you can find us, you can go to ageofradio.org slash darkwindows, and you can find out, see us on there. You can actually listen to the show You can listen on to there. every episode posted on there. Yep. And guess what else? If you go to ageofradio.org and you skip out on putting the Dark Windows thing at the end of it, you can check out all the other good shows on there. If you want true crime, look no fucking further. We got it. If you we want all of it. If you want sports... <laughs> Look no further because there's a some sports stuff on there too. But when you go, if you also, but if you go into the dark windows uh, page, you, you scroll all the way down. You'll see it, scroll through the whole page. You'll see where you can find us. You'll see actually also uh, episodes, and then down at the bottom, you'll see stuff for Barnes and Noble where you can get a little bit of a discount, I believe. 
and also for uh, Windows, where you can get 10% off. 10 for, yeah, 10% off on computers is big money. But while you're there, go over to the Bazaar, check out all the cool shit you can do there. I mean, they've got everything from uh, on it, which is, you know, it's like your sports a human and fitness optimization kind of... site to help you get better, becoming a better human and get you better health. Boom. And they sell kettlebells. Kettlebells, battle <laughs> ropes, and a variety of healthy supplements. You got stuff like that. You've got, again, Microsoft, Barnes and Noble. They just started up with the Great Courses Plus. So if you go there, actually, you can actually uh, get a 14 day free trial on us if you put in Dark Windows. Mm-hmm. Pretty fucking cool. I'm going to do it myself because there's a lot of really neat shit on there I want to check out. And I think it'll be good to, it'll be good for research purposes. Yeah. Um, but, in the next couple of weeks, we got some really cool shit coming out. We've got a mystery episode, which we haven't figured out what we're doing yet. We got GG motherfucking Allen coming up soon. We've got one that's going to be probably, I'm going to say between two and four parts because I'm not sure how it's going to land yet. But that's going to be a big one, too, that I've been, oh, I've been putting a lot of fucking work into that. But so we got some good shit It'll all up. be worth it. You guys are going to fucking love it. Yeah. So, with that being said, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. And I'm really surprised neither one of you interrupted me. Holy shit. Good night. Wait, wait. <laughs> oh, balls. I love you, kisses. No. I was going to say, people are going to be disappointed that nobody interrupted. I was going to, but I was like, I didn't know. Hold on. We're going to put this one in. I'm not going to edit this part out. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> just because you can't see out into the dark... Doesn't mean that a motherfucker ain't coming around the vineyard to stab you in the butthole with a gun. <laughs> you get stabbed in the butthole with a gun. I'll show you. No bayonets, just the gun. No, I'll show you. <laughs> just because you can't see out into the dark. Doesn't mean that a mad crazy man that was trying to sleep in a foxhole ain't going to attack your ass for waking him up. <laughs> just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that two R. bushel R. of Japanese... <laughs> just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that two bushel of Japanese fucking soldiers aren't coming over the hill at you. That one didn't work out so hot. Nope. No. Fuck. I can't interrupt myself. Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. I love you, kisses. Goodbye. That's the way the cookie crumbles. What? What? That makes no fucking sense. Bye-bye. There you go.